Welcome to Not A Life Sentence, where we explore the idea that life's challenges are not a life sentence. Have you ever felt stuck or overwhelmed? Well, you're not alone. I'm Carla Kazan Barbaria, your host. On this podcast, we dive deep into topics that challenge the notion of permanence, proving that even the toughest situations are not a life sentence. I will be joined by guests, experts in the field, and people with lived experiences who will share their inspiring journey of overcoming adversity. We'll also explore practical strategies to navigate life's challenges and come out stronger on the other side. Welcome to another episode of Not a Life Sentence. I am joined today by Anu Wadwa Saini, who is a top 1% wealth coach, Inner Circle awardee at legendary Bob Proctor, who was the best prosperity teacher and main guy in the movie called The Secret, which has impacted more than half a billion lives globally. She is a speaker, investor, CEO, and founder of Paradigm Shift Institute, who has helped entrepreneurs, professionals, and business owners in 26 countries so far in multiplying their income by shifting their money paradigms. She is also a philanthropist who contributes 10% of her profit to help underprivileged students towards their education. Anu, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me here, Carla. Appreciate it. Anu, you are Indian Kiwi. When did you move to Australia and why Australia? Yeah, I actually moved to Australia not long ago. Um, so I moved to Australia from New Zealand in 2022. Yeah, in the beginning of 2022. So after after the COVID. Yes, yes. And the why I moved um, was, it was, I mean, I was pretty happy in New Zealand because my mom and my brothers are there. Um, my, my husband, he received um, a business opportunity here in Queensland. So we moved here. Right. So you said that you originally from India, then moved to New Zealand. Yeah. How long, how long ago and how did this come about? Hmm. Oh, I, I moved to New Zealand um, in, in a 2008 from India. <clears throat> That's um, a long story. Um, you know, I wanted to achieve my dreams. I wanted to be financially free and have a better lifestyle. Um, and I, to be honest, I wanted to delay getting married, which was not looking possible by staying in my home country then. And I guess why it all began was, you know, I truly had a burning desire to change our financial situation after I lost my father in 2005. And that was because of due to lack of financial resources. And I remember, you know, I used to work for only about $12 a month. And what, how things shifted for me, I would say it's within me first, that was, I remember when I lost my father and I was, you know, very close to my father, I was accused to be the reason for my own father's death. And I remember our aunt came, you know, for the morning and she was like, you know, if you weren't too ambitious, your father still would have been here. And I was quite shocked to actually hear those harsh words, you know, when I was in the denial that I lost my father. And uh, she said, yeah. And sorry, did he pass away after you moved to 
New Zealand? No, no, no. That's before, um, I'm, like that's in 2005. So that was a couple of years, two and a half years before I moved to New Zealand. So that's how it, everything began. That's why I decided to come to New Zealand because it was, you know, I was really going through a financially challenging time. And in fact, I lost my father because of the financial resources. If we had enough funds and we had a vehicle at home to take him to the hospital on time, he would have been here. And I, that's why I was, you know, I was sharing that I was accused to be the reason for his death because I was too ambitious. I always wanted to do something, you know, I wanted to study. And uh, my father, our financial situation wasn't that strong back then. And uh, he, I think the day he passed, the morning he passed away, night before he went to one of our friends asking for money for my study. And he wasn't successful. And the next morning he had a heart attack and he passed away. And that's when that aunt came and, you know, out of uh, grief, she was kind of accusing me. And I remember that truly, you know, I was like, no, you know, I don't want to live anymore. It was quite a deep emotional impact I had. I was, you know, I stopped, stopped eating. I stopped, uh, I was like, I just don't want to live. And I think months went by, I really I lost weight quite heavily and my mother really started to got um, worried about me. And I remember one day she got unwell and my aunt said, would you eat after losing her now? And that really shook things within me. And I think that was the moment of change within me. And I was like, you know, this has to change. You know, I can't live in this lifestyle. There has to be something. And uh, that's when I gathered myself and became the sole breadwinner for the family. You know, those extreme circumstances. And I'm grateful for those because they really created, they bought the clarity in my mind what I actually wanted. And that was financially freedom. And that's how, and I, I couldn't do that staying there because I had this pressure of getting married as well. So it wasn't only financial challenge. I had this cultural challenge. And um I had this, you know, I met one friend and she shared something around about New Zealand. I was like, okay, that's what I want to do. And that's how I decided to come to New Zealand. And now that wasn't easy because of the financial challenges, but that's how it began as a desire, as a fantasy in my own mind. How old were you then? I was, okay. <laughs> I was 20, 25. Right. Yeah. So you were 25, you come from a culture where... 24, 24, sorry, yeah. 20, 24. So you come from a culture where at that age, more so girls need to get married? Um. Yeah, and I think it was more of, not only the age, it was more of, you know, I had recently lost my father and my mom was got quite worried. And, you know, even though things are pretty changed now in India and my family is really supportive, but I think, you know, when there was a pressure of like, you know, if she, for my mom, you should get her married. And, you know, um, there was a guy, you know, um, you know, they, they wanted me to get married to my mom knew, knew them and he was, she was like, you know, she wouldn't have to worry about the dowry and stuff. So, and he loved me too. It was a kind of one-sided love thing. Um, but I was too ambitious. I didn't want to do that. So I eventually did say yes to them when my mom got uh, sick. But I did say that, okay, I'll do that on this condition of that you're going to give me two years of my life and I will do absolutely my best, whatever I wanted to. You won't stop me, but if I was not successful, I'll come back and get married, what, you know, the way you want me to. So that's when those two years of my life I had and I decided to come to New Zealand. I had to make things happen. And I think 
when you really come from this attitude that, you know, you just have no other option, you really want to make it happen, that's where this magic happens, you know, the new way starts to help you out. You had a deadline. Um, yes. <laughs> like you have, you have put it on yourself. Yeah, that, that's yeah, right. So I mean, things didn't really work out as you make it. I planned. He actually ended up, you know, so I, I didn't get married to him. He he left me, but I guess that was another good thing. And that's where I le really learned the self-love part. You know, I had to do that because that was, it's not easy, you know, when you kind of uh, uh, experience that kind of pain. But um, I think I needed that. Everything happens for a reason when you kind of take the life, like it's not happening to me, it's happening for me. It, it really works. So you have boarded the plane from India to New Zealand. Yes. I would assume you came with a little bit of money or with some money. Uh, how scary was it, you know, going into the unknown, going into mm -hmm. another country? You had two years to prove yourself. Yeah. There's another layer of uh, pressure. Yeah. Can you take us back yeah. to those times? For sure. You know, yes, it was scary, for sure. And I had absolutely no idea how I was going to do that. And just to give you a little bit more depth of when I decided to come to New Zealand, I got to know, you know, met a few agents and everything. I got to know I needed about $22,000. So I, I came here and came in New Zealand to do a master's in physical therapy field. Um, but long story short, you know, I needed $22,000, the sum I didn't have. So but I, within my mind, I, there was absolutely no way that it, I wasn't going to do that. So I, it was not even a question that if I get the money, it was like, no, I'm going to make it happen. And I remember my mom telling me, you know, that why, why are you doing this? You know, your cousins are getting married, starting their life. We already under so much debt. You know, we were renting a tiny room in a house and that we can buy a house with that much money. And you are going to borrow this much fun going into a country. You don't know anyone. You don't know how you're going to earn back. And, you know, and I was like, no, I have, you know, there has to be a way. There was a deep inner calling that I had to trust. And I borrowed and I came up with this idea of that, I didn't know anyone who could borrow, lend me $22,000. We had no property where we could lend against, right? So there was no like a security for me to actually get the lending on even. And I was like, okay, I wrote in name of 10 people. I, my friends, the people I knew, I thought they could help me. I divided the amount and I started reaching out to each one of um, you know them asking for money. And I said to them, look, I need your help. So I don't need your help again. I think there was some conviction in my words and that was again coming back from this place of it was not a question whether I was going to do it or not. It was like a committed decision in my mind. I have to make it happen. And I think people sometimes don't realize. And I remember my mom used to say to me, Anu, when I need 100 rupees, which is equivalent to $2 back then, right? Mm -hmm. That people say, no, we can't lend you. And you here have collected 20, more than $22,000 like staying in India back then, I wasn't even, you know, there was people didn't know whether they would get their money because we had, you know, it was quite bad and financially. But every one of them said yes, they helped me out. They, and I remember a couple of them actually took loan to help me out. And now back then I was thinking it was a magical miracle. People say that. But when I shared my story with my mentor, Bob Proctor, and I remember he said to me, you may think it was happening by luck, but actually it was happening by law because I 
had made up my mind. I was going to do it no matter what. And I think that's where is the difference, you know, when people are confused and things don't work out. But when you're really that committed, when you feel you have nothing else to lose, it does work out. So when I came to New Zealand, I had, I would say, a few hundred dollars. Um, and I had a family, like my friend's uncle, who I had never met before, um, you know, who came to pick me up from the airport. And I, you know, that's how my journey began. And But I came with so much of debt not knowing anything how I was going to pay them back. But, you know, I had further challenges when I came to New Zealand. That's another long story. But I think I was just put in by universe. I was put in um, to this persistence test every single time. And I lost 14,000 of that within the first few months, um, you know, when I came to New Zealand. But, you know, again, it was a test for me. And I'm grateful that I, I passed that. Definitely. Um, you were able actually to turn your annual six figures income into monthly. Can you share the steps? Yes, absolutely. I really love this uh, story. You know, in my um, life, if I really look back, I would say that I have um, achieved quantum leaps th four times. And this was one of them. Um, so you know, as you've just shared in my story, when I came from New Zealand, uh, from India to New Zealand, you know, the journey from $12 a month to about six figures a year I was making, you know, I worked in different roles and I spent a decade of my life in a corporate company. Um, and uh, I remember, I just want to share a little bit of a story so that people can relate to that, why actually I even had this desire of six figures a month. Please yeah, and I was uh, earning about six figures a year in that corporate company, and I gave a decade of my life to. I was a good performer. I won a national award. Um, you know, in terms of my performance, I was doing really well. And I remember they did a pay review, and I was given a couple of thousand, I think two thousand five hundred something pay rise in New Zealand. And I was a little bit unhappy because I felt the number, which the uh, amount, which was given to me as a pay rise was pretty equal to everyone else and I was like you know my performance was way more than a few of other people I was like I should be given a couple of thousand more and I had meeting with my manager and then she said I should have a, a meeting with her manager manager and then with the HR and here I went through a couple of months this number of meetings with the management and the HR and you know I'm preparing for the presentation giving them my uh, performance the numbers and everything why I should be given two thousand dollars more in a year and I went through so much of turmoil the pain because in the, eventually I was told whether I take it or leave it I, I think that was truly a turning point for me. It was like, wow, you know, I'm giving all my best here. And at the end of the day, I was just a number. And I happened to attract this video from Bob Proctor uh, on YouTube. And he was talking about you can turn your annual income into monthly income. And I was like, what? Annual income into monthly income? Is it really even possible? You know, I think I... Now I understand how universal laws works. And now I know that had to happen because I was looking for the answers. Now I shifted my thinking, my frequency from increasing $2,000 a year to making annual income into monthly income. And I started digging down, you know, I invested in myself, took the coaching and everything with him. And 
yeah, you know, I changed my goal to have this six figures a month. And I'm grateful for the steps, the blueprint he shared with us. And that's what actually we help people with now. That you know, um, how they can really turn the annual income into monthly because it all starts with this fantasy. You know, if I was to really break it down in three steps, so it's everything what we see around this, you know, the laptop, the podcast we're doing, and you know, people are hearing this, they all started with the fantasy, right? It was an idea in our someone's mind first. So then fantasy turns into the theory when you start reasoning it. You know, when you start to seeing the picture in your mind and more you do that, more you attract the ideas, the you know, the solutions you need to do to turn that theory into the fact. And I think that's where everything starts to started to change for me when I started following that blueprint. But eventually that fantasy of turning annual income into monthly income did turn into fact. And I'm grateful because that's what now we do. We help people with that. Mm -hmm. Now, now that you are talking, what comes to mind is the movie Eight, uh, sorry, Eat, Pray, Love for uh, Liz Gilbert. You know, yeah. when she sold everything, she asked for a divorce, went on her healing journey and was able to find love. I yeah. mean, she is not with that husband, but uh, what people say after, you know, having watched the movie they say, all right, I want to go to Indonesia or I want to go to Italy and do the same journey. <laughs> but I guess, and, and this is what you are saying, it's not just about going on the same journey. People need to have the fire within. Absolutely. For Absolutely. you, it wasn't a matter of if I'm going to make it. You were so adamant, I don't know how, but as if you could see it. Yes, absolutely. So where where did this fire come from? Because even before meeting Proctor, before you know, you didn't have yeah. anything. You didn't have any mentorship. You didn't have, you know, anyone to guide you. Yes. Uh, where where do you think this uh, perception of it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when? Yeah. You know, that's a really great question. I would say if I was asked this question, say, about 10 years ago, I would not have been able to answer. But now I do understand because that's what we do. You know, um, we help people with this material. When I shared my story with Bob Proctor the first time in 2019, when I met him in person, he said to me, I was an unconscious competent all this time. So I was doing everything right, but I didn't know what I was doing right. In other words, you know, we one of the um, other thing we are really big on, we how we help people with everything in this universe is happening by law. There are universal laws which governs everything in our life, all our results, our relationships, everything. Now I was doing everything by law, but not knowingly. Why I was doing it, I guess. You know, when there's two things you can do when you're really going through a rough time, a tough time in your life. And when I look back in that time, you know, I remember Carla, in summer, I have faced a life when I really wanted to drink cold water and we couldn't afford ice. Mm. I have faced that time. I wanted to study and people would showcase the kids on the stage to give them the shoes or the books. And I used to be on that stage because I wanted to study. And internally, I used to say in my heart, 
I would want to help those people, but I don't want to showcase them because it doesn't feel good. You've, I don't know, I used to feel embarrassed, but I couldn't help. I was like, I, I need to study. And I guess those moments, what I had faced in my life and losing my father, if I had, you know, I remember knocking on the doors in the morning, early morning, uh, you know, uh, uh, for the you know neighbors, hey, can you come and take him to the hospital? You know, some it was quite early, you know, I didn't really get help on time. And by the time help came, it was too late. So those moments really triggered that fire, that desire within me that, okay, if I keep living the way as it is, then that means I may lose someone else again because, you know, I just didn't want to live in that. And I remember, you know, when my mom got unwell, Tala, and I think that was a confirmation from the insurance, which uh, from the um, universe, which was that I read this quote from Bill Gates. And I hope that serves someone today who's listening here. And Bill Gates said, if you are born poor, it's not your fault. But if you die poor, that's your mistake. And I read that quote in a pharmacy shop when I went to buy medicine for my mom. And everything which was happening within me, that was like, ooh, that was confirmation. Man, I have to make it happen. So that desire came from all that con contrast which I faced in my life. Now, I, I'm grateful for that as well. Now, I'm not, you know, I, I do miss my father and everything. But I think everything, when you start to see every single challenge as an opportunity to learn what universe or what this, you know, I don't know if you believe in God or not, what they're trying to teach you, then there's a lesson in everything. And I think for that, for me, that desire, that fire is never stopped because now it is through, if I stop, then I can't help those kids, which I promised standing on that stage that I will help them. Yeah. You know, in the psychology, we believe that nothing is like, nothing happens by coincidence. Absolutely. So I believe in that. Even to have seen, Bill Gates' quote was not a coincidence. No, no, you're so right. Just what you needed to read then for you to keep going. Exactly. And exactly. you did. Sorry, I lost you there. I said, and you did. You yeah. Kept, you kept yeah. going despite all the obstacles, despite all the challenges. Um. You have just spoken about self-love. Uh, one of the units that I teach at university is self-care. Right. And on day one, I always ask students to share what their understanding of it is. And of course, they all say mindfulness, a bubble bath, time for myself, which are all true and beneficial. Yeah. Uh, you talk a lot about self-love, which is a... It's a concept that is easier said than done. Yeah. You say to fall in love with yourself is the first secret to happiness. Yeah. We are living in a society where when we say self-love or when we practice it, you are called selfish. So yeah. what is self-love? Yeah, that's so beautiful because I think... You know, all the stories I'm sharing and everything, if you really think about it, it is coming from this place of self-love. Now, I didn't know that then, but it makes sense now, right? Now, self-love has been truly the key to my success. 
And and if we look around and see more successful people, that is coming from the self-love. How, you know, in my opinion, it would be, you know, it's more about self-knowledge. So self-love is really about the self-knowledge. So if you knew who and what you are, it would be impossible not to love yourself. Truly. You know, I remember Bob, you, you know, if, if you have watched the secret movie, I remember him kissing on his hand that I love myself so much that I want to kiss myself. And now for someone, you know, who is really aware, unaware from the self-love, they would be like, what, what this guy is on about? But it truly, you know, and I remember he's sharing that the energy within our brain cells, it's so much that it can lit the whole city. So if you are really doubting yourself, if you're questioning yourself, if you're too hard on yourself, that just truly means that you're not even aware what you're capable of. So that's one thing, right? So when you more, when you start to understand more who you are, you will you will fall in love with yourself. And then more you love yourself, the more you will be able to love others. And that's how you would be able to really spread the love in, in, in this world. Now, talking about these goals, you know, uh, my story I was talking about, it is more of like, when you are in love with yourself, that means that you, whatever decision you make, whatever command you give to yourself, you're going to follow it. So in other words, self-love is not different from a discipline as well. I, I mean, this is how I see it. And what is discipline? Discipline is giving yourself a command and then following it. But if you're not loving yourself, you will not follow the discipline. But when you learn that self-love is the discipline, that you will do everything what you have decided to do, that like you would say, for instance, if you have given me the word, right? So we were going to do this um, Zoom catch up for the podcast today. So I gave you my word that, okay, we're going to do this at this time, right? Yes. But that was my duty now to show up because I have given you my word. Yes. What I've seen, what people do, Carla, and which is sad, they think they have to really live up to their commands, what they have given to others, but they kind of let it go in whatever they've decided within their own mind. Now with this new year, I'm pretty sure many people have come up with so many resolutions. They have set up this, uh, you know, that, okay, I'm going to go to the gym every day or I'm going to do this or whatever, right? But they follow it for a few days, but then they let it go. What that tells that you, they're not in love with themselves. They're really shrinking their self image, which is not helping. So in other words, Self-love, you may think it's selfish, but actually it is not because if you're going to be able to love yourself, then only you will be able to love others. Similar to this analogy in the airplane, right? They, when they show the demo, they say that, okay, if anything happens, you wear your own mask first and then you would be able to help others. You can't love others without loving yourself. So I don't really agree with that selfish analogy, what some people seem to stuck in. Yeah. And I am very happy that you did mention discipline because, you know, when I see clients, I always give the analogy of athletes. Yeah. I'm sure, like the swimmers, I'm sure they don't enjoy it every day, waking up at 4 a.m. and going for laps. Absolutely. But they were motivated at first to get into it, but then they need discipline to keep it going. Absolutely. And I just want to add something in here. So it's helped someone who's probably struggling with the discipline. You know, it's just a matter of when you have this moment of when you're about to just break that command, what you give to yourself, 
just remember this, that why you actually started, right? So if your desire has to be stronger than that fear, your desire has to be stronger than that comfort factor, that paradigm, which is stopping you. For instance, you probably just decided to do a diet. And when you're just really having this craving of eating something, what you really know, it's against that rule, which you have set up for yourself, the discipline you've set up for yourself. Just remember, why did you even start it? So the desire has to be stronger than that for the discipline to be going. But if the desire is not stronger, you're going to make a number of resolutions and going to break them. So it has to come from self-love and self-love is not being selfish at all. Absolutely. Not at all. And you said we can't love others if we don't love ourselves. Yeah. You know, um, you know, a lot of time when you're talking to people, you know, sometimes you uh, are on the phone and you kind of feel that, oh, that person is quite, you know, um, not that helpful or whatever, or having a bad day. Now, why, when you start to understand why people are behaving that way, because they are just not happy with themselves. You know, when you start actually, instead of fighting back, you start giving them love back because they just tell us that the way they're reacting, the behaving is because they require love. They are just not in love or in harmony with themselves. Right. So, uh, did self-love help you get where you are today, growing your business, losing weight, uh, to understand that real happiness in life comes from giving and not taking? Hence why your goal for 2024 is to support 1,000 students with their education phase. Absolutely. Um, you know, how, if you hard, how hard was it for you to really love yourself and not feeling that you are selfish? Yeah, I will be honest in the beginning when I wasn't into this material, when I wasn't, you know, when I didn't have the mentor, it was not easy. However, I, I wouldn't say it was, it wasn't easy, but it was simple. And I think people really get complicated with that. But when you do get the help and you understand that, okay, you know, loving yourself is actually, what is love? You know, I think that's very important to understand. Love is when you are in harmony with yourself. When you are in resonance with your source, the God, universe, whatever you want to call it, right? So, you know, when you say to someone that you are in love with that person, so you're saying, hey, I love you. Now, people say, oh, I love you. I love you. What you're actually saying is that in your presence, I feel in resonance with my own self. That's what love is. So with someone, with someone's energy, the way they are, it kind of somehow brings you more in harmony with yourself. That's what the love is, right? But when you are in love with another person without loving yourself, what's going to happen that you feel that you are actually dependent on, on them and which is not healthy. And I think that's where more uh, and more you see the people, the relationships, they're having the challenges is because they are dependent on the other person to be able to feel in resonance with themselves. So it's very important to understand that when you love, when you start that love within first, then you don't actually have to depend on anyone else. You are more trusting you and when you're trusting you, you can achieve anything. And when you come from that place, you will even find that love is so effortless. You don't actually have to do anything. It just flows through you because 
to give love to someone else as well, that energy is actually coming from you, right? So it kind of serves both ways. So, so really, so really, this is the secret recipe. Absolutely. As it has to come from within. Within, because if you're not going to love yourself, that the other person would not even feel the depth of it. But when it is coming from within, that is a truly on a magical level, you know. And I would say that 2023 for me has been, you know, when I started that year, it was, I actually declared it. That year is going to be for me for self-love because what I had experienced going through all these struggles and everything, that I wasn't prioritizing myself that much in terms of that I was, yes, I was in, in love with this idea of helping others and everything, but at some point I've, I kind of learned that how to set boundaries, you know, to really decide what I'm going to allow in my life or not. And, and that you can do is only by how you love yourself is how you're going to show others to love you. That's what I've learned in 2023. And that has been a big shift, truly. Leading by example. Absolutely. You are the founder of the Paradigm Shift Institute. What is Paradigm Shift? Sure. You know, first of all, I want to just explain the paradigm, right? So the word paradigm can be quite confusing for some people. So the paradigm is a multitude of our habits. It's a deep programming in a subconscious mind, which controls pretty much all our habitual behaviors. And all our behaviors are pretty much habitual. So literally our subconscious programming, which is controlling our habits is what is the paradigm. Now, how we help with the paradigm and what paradigm shift is, is whether you know it or not, Everything what you do is controlled by your paradigms. Now, if you look into your income, how much you've been earning in last five years, that kind of tells you where your money paradigm is. If you're getting up at certain time and the way you get up and the, um, what side you, you sleep on and how hot you like your drink or not, every little thing is controlled by your paradigm. Now, people think that, you know, they, when they want to change their results, like say, for example, they want to um, lose weight and okay, they focus on the diet and or if they want to increase the income, oh, how do I do this marketing or how do I do this strategy and strategy planning and all that? That's all good. However, the deep missing part is they don't realize that until the paradigms are shifted, the results are not going to be the permanent change. And that is happen. The paradigm shift happens in two ways. One is deep emotional impact, which was in my case, in my story I've shared when I lost my father. Like, uh, you know, it could be some really bad event in your life. And usually they say this kind of impact is negative. It's very rarely it is a positive impact. And I'm grateful it was a positive impact for me. That can be one way that your paradigms can be shifted. Then you kind of like, I can't accept this, right? So the second is, and through elite coaching, having a mentor who really can help you to shift those paradigms. And that's what we do in the Paradigm Shift Institute, that we help people in shifting their paradigms to create the results they after. And for example, if someone is earning 100K a year and they want to make it 100K a month, and if they're operating in this frequency, 
they want to go into this, there has to be that major shift in the way they operate. And that can't happen until those money paradigms are shifted. Can we do it solo without a mentor? Um, you know, I, I guess in my story, which I've shared, that was more like that. So that was due to the emotional impact, that negative, emo um, deep emotional impact. Now, yes, I guess it is possible. However, it, the question is, do you really want to have that kind of tragic, extreme circumstances to go through that shift? Probably not, right? Like if I was asked now that if I want to go for another shift, I don't want to go through those tragic moments. I can do that when I know that I can just do that by getting the help from someone who has gone through or who knows how to shift through those paradigms. You can it may take longer, I would say, but I guess um, it comes down to this. Now, from this level of awareness where I am now, I would say time is more expensive than money. So it's really up to you whether you want to spend years and trying to figure out yourself and not even having a surety that you will get there instead of actually getting a help and collapsing the time. I was watching an interview for Arnold Schwanzinger. Yeah, and he said when he wanted to to get into a bodybuilding competition, yeah, he hired a PT, a personal trainer. When he wanted to get into acting, he hired an acting coach. When he wanted to get into politics, he hired a mentor. So really, uh, you know, I don't think we can do it solo for a long time. We can get to a certain stage. But to get to our potential, we really need that mentorship. Absolutely. And you that was so right what you just said. And I remember actually um, when I met Bob in person and one of the things he said exactly was the same what you just said, Kala. When I asked him, hey, Bob, what was the what would be the one thing you can tell me which can help me to make my turn my annual income into monthly? And I remember he said, find someone who has done that and ask them to mentor you. That was that simple. And obviously I knew there was no better person than him. And I did exactly that. And, you know, why would you want to waste your time and effort into something when you know you can get help? Of course. Um, in my podcast, I am hoping to support people to see that whatever their past traumas are, whatever their genes are, they can still find happiness and that nothing is a life sentence. The work that you do is exactly this. Anything else that you would like to say that we didn't cover in, to, in today's episode? Um, yeah, I mean, I really love, um, Kala, how you mentioned that life's intense, you know. Um, it's really coming, it really reminds me of um, that when you feel that you are actually the reason for whatever the results. Um, I mean, in other words, when you really stay into this victim mindset, where I was in the beginning when I was accused for my father's death, I was like, my God, you know, I, I couldn't move from that place. But when you really come out of that victim mindset and really start to take the responsibility of your own results, you know, you would realize that something magical happens within you, you know, when you don't blame outside and you realize actually the power is within my hand, the remote is within my hand and you can change the circumstances because that becomes easy when you realize it's actually in your control. It's not in someone else's control because if you leave it in someone else's control, then that means you can't really change it. 
So when you bring that power back within your own hands that no, I create my results. I am responsible for my feelings. I am responsible for my results. Then it, it becomes easy because then all you need to do is work on you instead of really um, trying to fix something with another person. And you mentioned this past trauma word. It is super important to, you know, let go of that pain that hurt you're probably carrying as someone may have hurted you that is so important that you forgive others not for them but for you who has caused you that pain and if you're going to carrying that pain and trying to create something beautiful to really achieve your goals it's not going to happen because those hurts that trauma is going to keep stay you know it's going to stay there as a blockage and mm. it's very important that you let go of that and you know i really um it's so important i remember we had this um, a client who was going through a really rough time this toxic relationship and uh, Obviously, from that place, it's not possible to create. But, you know, we helped her to really create that beautiful relationship with herself and let go of forgive the partner and everything. And now she's found the courage to walk away from that relationship. And she's multiplied her income by seven times within 12 months of working with us. And that is exactly, I guess, you know, going to happen when you let go. It's really important to learn that let go piece that you're not really reliving that past trauma because it's not really going to help you to move forward the way you want to in 2024. Lovely. Thank you. You are currently finishing off writing your book. What is it about and when will it be published? Yeah. So the book is called um, The You Create You. So it's a uh, truly reminding you um, your own inner power that you can recreate your life right now, right here. It doesn't matter what circumstances you're in. And um, it is backed up by my own story, my own experiences and their steps we've shared there, um, you know, that they are exactly how I have come from this $12 a month to six figures a month. It will be published. Um, I, I mean, the plan is that I want to publish that before my father's anniversary in April uh, as a tribute to him. Very, very nice. And lastly, if people want to connect with you, how can they do so? And what do you do really? Like, do you have free master classes? How, how do you support people? Yeah, sure. Um, we do free trainings pretty much every six weeks. And they can find me on Facebook with my name, Anuwadwa Seni. And our website is www.paradigmshiftinstitute.com. I am available on Instagram, TikTok, the Paradigm Shift Institute um, handle. So you can search me there. And yes, we do have free events pretty much every month. And, you know, uh, for anyone listening who you want to know more, you know, feel free to find me there and uh, yeah, I would love to serve you. But I do want to say this to conclude, if I may, Carla, sure. you know, and I think this really has, um, is probably connected to the message around the self-love and self-care. So just remember this, it's not selfish to really love yourself first. It's actually a divine, it's a sacred job what you're doing. And I hope these lines really reminds you it really saved me when I read them first. 
it was like, if I want to be free, I have got to be me. Mm. Not the me, uh, not the me I think you think I should be. Not the me I think my husband thinks I should be. Not the me I think my kids think I should be. But if I want to be free, I've got to be me. So I better know who me is. And that is going to happen if you're going to love yourself, my friend. You are awesome. Thank you so much and have a lovely day. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on Not A Life Sentence podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with others who might benefit. Stay tuned for more discussions on topics that matter. I'd be grateful if you could take a few seconds to leave me a positive review. It's a simple process and your feedback could make a big difference. Until next time, remember, nothing is a life sentence.